Well, I want to welcome again all the online viewers from wherever you are. Thank you for coming and visiting us online. I want to encourage you also that this is an opportunity for you not only to connect online as a large gathering, but also in groups. And so if you go to our website, uh, weconnect.cc, and you look under groups, you're going to see that there are numerous online groups available during this time for you to stay connected. My, my win, my hope for you is that you would move into smaller communities and get connected. Don't get too comfortable, though you're in the comfort of your home. Make sure you don't do, get too comfortable in your spiritual walk during this time. Can I have an amen from everybody out there? And so if you get something that you like or you receive, tell somebody online. There are a bunch of people there to serve you today and pastor you through this experience. We uh, also want to encourage you to take notes. There's a little note tab there within um, the online experience. If you click that, you can take notes because we say at Connect, note takers are history makers. Amen. Well, listen, I want to introduce my message quickly. Um, I'm going to entitle this message, Don't Touch Me. Don't Touch Me. All right? So if you're near somebody, just tell them that right now. Say, don't touch me. Don't touch me. All right? Three to six feet, okay? Let's get your distance. Make sure your recliner fits and doesn't knock anybody. When it's open, doesn't hit anybody. Get, get some space there. Now, I remember, and I think some of you remember back when you were children, um, I can remember for myself, I have one uh, sibling, my sister, and we would go on vacations. We'd go on these trips, and sometimes there would be a long drive to get to the beach or something like that. And of course, all along the way, depending on our age, we'd say, you know, how much longer, Dad? How much longer? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And in the wait and in the frustration, we would be in the backseat of our car kind of getting uncomfortable because we wanted to get out and we wanted to stretch out and sometimes we wanted to rest. And in the backseat, we would have these backseat battles. Now, some of you have siblings. You know what I'm talking about. Like, don't cross this line. So help me if you cross this line. I am going to chuck your arm off. Don't touch me. Don't touch. You stop touching me. No, you stop. And before you know it, we're having this physical battle in the back seat of our car. And we're saying don't touch. In fact, it gets so bad sometimes with my sister. I'm like, if you so much as breathe on me, I, I'm gonna. And, and that picture that I'm trying to paint for you right now, it's not just a thing that uh, we thought as kids. That's a thing we're thinking right now. We're living in a world right now where we're not just frustrated with the conditions in the back seat uh, in the case of a child. No, there's a fear, an associated fear with uh, what's going on in our entire world, and it's front row. It is front and center in our life right now. And one of the most common things that God, his messengers, his angels would say in times like this to us, his people, he'd say, do not be afraid. Uh, or we could say like a parent to a kid, don't be scared. Don't be scared. God would be saying that to you and me at this time. Last week, we actually talked about that uh, more formally. And so yet, though we have that instruction from him, we manage to fall prey to that fear. It's because there's this invisible enemy that is trying to, uh, you know, with, with, with dangerous and difficult circumstances, trying to kind of take us down. And this is the case for so many as we deal with this coronavirus. The heightened fear, um, that's why I brought my wife up, has, has really touched our hearts, you know, for you. And in fact, I had a very different direction for the season of our church that we're in right now. Obviously, it's time to deal with this. It's time to deal with the, the reality of what we're in right now. 
um, as I try to describe today's message and kind of ramp up to it, you know, in 2011, I watched a movie, and it was a doozy. Uh, Matt Damon was in it, Gwyneth Paltrow, other uh, really phenomenal actors. This movie was called Contagion, and man, it was kind of scary, and it, um, it talked about kind of what we're experiencing. Though that movie then was a movie, it's kind of what we're living in right now. It was based on an outbreak of the bird flu. And of course, it was transmitted through the birds throughout the entire world. And they would have these phrases pop up in their trailers, one touch, one instant, one contact. And and, 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 and the result of this problem that they were facing and the message that was getting out there was don't talk, touch, or get near anyone. That was a movie. That's our reality today. Wow. And so today we have new rules for engagement, social distancing, and you know, heightened hygiene um, expectations. See, we're not even supposed to touch our face I'm going to try today. Our phones. We're not, we're not really supposed to touch anything uh, in this world right now. I don't know if you even realize this. This is a stat will come up on the screen. But the average person touches their face three to five times a minute. Conservatively, if you took the eight hours of sleep every day out, that's 2,880 times per day we're touching our face. The average person touches their phone 2,167 times a day. And millennials and younger, they are heavy users. They call them heavy users. They touch their phone 5,427 times per day on average. And this whole thing that we're dealing with in our crisis is transferred by touch. That's a lot of touches. Is it even possible to not touch, to not have contact? I think this whole thing is, in essence, a spiritual attack on intimacy, on relationship. By convincing us we can't touch, the enemy, in turn, convinces us we can't connect. And I want to prove to you, I want to influence you today that nothing could be further from the truth. Um, I'm not sure we can avoid touching our face. I'm not sure we can avoid touching our phone or not touching things entirely. We might be able to minimize the problem or increase our awareness to kind of shrink the problem, but we can't really eliminate the problem by not touching. Is that really the solution to the problem? Is that really the real problem? And think about this. I know this has happened to you, some of you, many of you. As soon as you get a symptom of sickness, what happens in that moment? It's amplified. Fear is crouching at your door. In that very moment, because of a sniffle or you coughed, is that cough like that kind of cough they're talking about? Is, is, is that feeling that I have right? Fear comes like a flood. Fear comes and it crosses the borders of your faith and, and, and it influences your soul. See, the big idea of the movie Contagion that I watched was that fear spread faster than the disease. And so I'm not a doctor. I'm not a healthcare professional. I'm not a CDC specialist. I'm a shepherd. And so what I want to help you today is with the real problem. I want to help you with the condition of your soul. I want to give you some encouragement. But I want you to understand To deal with something, you have to understand the real enemy. The real enemy is not the virus. The real enemy is fear. 
And fear, like a contagion, fear like a virus, has certain characteristics to it. Write these down. I'll go through these really quickly. Fear, like a virus, can pass from person to person with minimal contact. Fear can spread rapidly with little or no restraint or restriction. Fear often starts with the smallest error in judgment. And this one's amazing. Fear is a form of focus. During this crisis, I want to um, kind of heighten your awareness. You're really focused right now. The question is, are you focused on fear or are you focused on faith? And if I could be honest with you, and I'm going to be anyway, the disease and others like this are going to remain in our world until Jesus ultimately restores the world back to its original uh, design. You know, for, for, for months and many messages, I've had to remind myself, we have to learn to live without fear. We have to learn that we are called to be overcomers because the world is broken. The world is broken. And so at some point, I understand you're afraid. But at some point, sir, ma'am, boy or girl, wherever you are right now, you're going to have to come outside again. You're going to have to face your fears. You might have to live differently, but you have to live. You have to live life free. You know, if I told you that I had the vaccine for the coronavirus and I was keeping it to myself and I wasn't sharing it with the world, people would label me a terrorist. But if I told you that I had the vaccine for the real problem, which is fear, and I do, and I'm going to share it, would you be excited about it? Come on, somebody. I want you to get excited about the fact that God has a vaccine for the real disease, for the real virus, and that real virus is fear. The reality is no one is immune to fear. The greatest problem is, in fact, fear, but God has a solution for fear. But we have to deal with the roots of fear, the cause of fear, before we can get to the cure for fear. So write this down if you're taking notes, and I know you are, because note-takers are history makers. Come on. But to overcome this fear, we have to first realize, number one, fear is a spirit. Fear is a spirit. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Notice, fear is a spirit, but a power love and of self-discipline or a sound mind. So, fear is an emotion, but it's more than an emotion. It's not merely an emotion. It's, it's more than a feeling. I, I want to sing a song right now, but I won't. Some of you know me. But emotions don't think. They just react. An emotion is happy when it's sunny. An emotion is sad when it rains. An emotion is fearful when there's lightning and, and, and when bad news comes because that's an emotional response. Anybody, everybody has been afraid at some point. Maybe you say, oh, I'm not afraid right now. Okay, well, there's a thing there that that spirit of fear will attack. Maybe you were afraid at one time when the, when the stock market was taken. I don't even like to think about investments right now, right? Uh, maybe you were afraid one time because you picked up the phone one day and you got a bad report from a doctor. And in that moment, whew, fear crouching at your door. Fear crossing the borders of your faith. And, and I know what that's like. I, I, I've been there. 2012, I remember getting a doctor's report and listening to him and having him look in my eye and just and, and caution me because of a, 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 a cancerous tumor in my stomach that by the grace of God is removed and I'm healed. But he, but he told me, you're going to have to be on chemotherapy indefinitely and you need to be thinking about your family. This is life and death. Fear arrested me. And I had to, I had to get to the root of it. See, what 
what, there's something that precipitates the spirit of, uh, 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 it's an emotion, excuse me, uh, precipitated by a spirit of fear. What precedes the emotion is a spirit. And if you only look at the is fear as an emotion, then what happens is, and not just as a spirit, then you never get to address the cause, and as a result, you never get to the cure, as I said. So fear, timidity, apprehension, it's more than an attitude or disposition. It's spiritual. It must be addressed spiritually. And so the spiritual, you need to accept this as a Christ follower, affects the emotional. That's why it's so important for you to stay connected in church and not get disconnected from church. Stay involved. Stay committed. Stay contributing. Stay, keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. But the spiritual always affects the emotional. We see this on the positive. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength, Paul said. So it says the joy of the Lord. So he attached God to an emotion joy. So we know that with the good side, but sometimes we don't see it with the, with the, with the bad side, the hard side. Therefore, if feelings uh, are influenced by the spiritual, if I win spiritually, I win emotionally. And you need to know also that God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. God doesn't give you that. It doesn't come from him. It comes from the adversary. And he, I understand there are circumstances and we see them on the surface, but you need to know there is an influencer. There is an enemy, an adversary that is working behind the scenes to control you and to keep you from the perfect plan of God for your life. And so Paul instructs Timothy uh, in this, don't be overcome by this spirit of fear. Why? Why? Because, and, and how, better yet, uh, because this is a spirit, and to overcome it, he says, you're going to have to stir it up. You're going to have to stir up something. What is that something? Write this down if you're taking notes. We got to stir up the gift. We got to stir up the gift or the gifts that God has put in us. The preceding verse of 2 Timothy 1, verse 6, says this. It says, Paul speaking, it says, therefore, I remind you, Timothy, to stir up the gift. It's like, it's like sediment and orange juice. It's sitting down here, but you got to bring that up for you to be effective. Stir up the gift of God, which is in you, which is deposited in you, which has been given to you through the laying on of my hands. So Timmy was not functioning on all eight cylinders. He, he had capability and ability, but he was not using his capabilities and abilities. Fear, this ungodly uh, governor to his potential, was limiting his performance, was keeping him from maximizing his potential. And it wasn't because he didn't have uh, these gifts. No, it was because he hadn't stirred them up. Turn to your neighbor and say, stir it up. Come on, maybe twirl somebody's hair. No, I'm just kidding. Don't touch anybody. Anyway, in other words, he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing with, God, with what God had given him to do. And so he wasn't operative. Uh, he wasn't living in his strengths. So in a lot of ways, we overcome in this life is to be living in our strengths. Otherwise, there will be a spirit, in this case fear, that will be eroding from within and eventually affects without. So it starts as a spirit inside that affects our emotions on the outside. Timothy probably didn't see that. That's why Paul's trying to get him to see, no, it's not going to be addressed on an emotional level. Your spiritual gifting, this God deposit, Timothy, is being held back, is being arrested by a spirit that causes your emotions 
to rule. And the reason, uh, you know, I'm telling you what I'm telling you, uh, Timothy, is because I don't want you to be scared. I don't want you to be timid. I don't want you to be apprehensive. I don't want you to be afraid. Because I, uh, under, the, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, laid my hands on you, and God put a deposit inside of you. Write this down if you're taking notes. Every believer has been given a uh, divine endowment, uh, a divine, you could say, enablement, a supernatural deposit placed in you by God, look at this, for his use, for his use. You have a gift. You have a certain a supernatural ability. And you're like, I don't know about that. Uh, let me tell you a little story. And I haven't told this in a long, long time. Some of you heard this if you've been a part of our church for a while. But as a young man, as a young boy, actually, I had major insecurity and fear speaking in public. You put me in a room and say, hey, you know, ask me a question. I'd be like, you know. Um, I had a particular insecurity and fear singing in public. And yet, there was an ability to sing. So I would sing, I love to sing, but I would sing privately in my room with the door closed. Later when I got older, in a car, and in particular, in a shower uh, by myself. All by myself. You know, I would be singing, but I would never let anybody hear me in public. But my sister, my one sibling, she would hear me singing. And it would get in her, it'd get in her brain. Many years later, when she was preparing to be married, she came to me as uh, her sister, and she said, Derek, I have one thing I want for my wedding. I said, name it. What do you want? She says, I want you to sing in my wedding. Boom. Fear is crouching at my door. I'm freaking out. you got to be kidding me. I'm petrified. I'm like, you know, I can't do that. You know, please. And because, bottom line, her love for me, and in my love for her, I said yes. But I was petrified. Long story short, on that day of the wedding, I remember singing a song that she asked me to sing. I remember closing my eyes. And something happened inside of me. Uh, it, was just, it was as if I was another person. I began to kind of stir up this gift. I, I, I became someone else in that moment. And over time, as I began to sing, I began to get more confidence. And, and uh, you know, it, it was like I was Luther Vandross in that moment. She had me sing a Luther Vandross song. It wasn't like that. But anyway, uh, everybody said nice things. But over time, I began to learn something from that experience. I began to stir up that gift. And later I became, uh, uh, you know, comfortable with singing in public. And, and initially it was this and it was that. And before you know it, I was, the worship, I was the worship pastor of this church for 14 years. Did a pretty good job at one time. Everybody's way better than me now. But it was, it was good back then. It was good back then. Today, as I reflect on those moments, I still have remnants and reminders of those fearful emotions. But there's still, and, and there was then, a deposit, a gift, an ability that God put inside of me. And whenever I would stir that thing up, it would override, it would overtake whatever made me insecure to sing or to talk. Are you guys with me out there? You know, I was watching The Voice a while back, one of my favorite shows, and there was this singer, his name was Harrison Craig, you can look it up on your own, and he was a stutterer. He could not speak in public without stuttering. He was extremely embarrassed, extremely fearful, and as that, the more public it was, the worse it would become. But when that boy would sing, all of a sudden the stutter was gone, the harmonies and the cadence and the rhythms and the beauty of his voice would overtake 
the stutter, would overtake the fear. See, he had a deposit in him, but it overtook his fear and his challenges because he stirred it up. Come on, somebody. I want you to stir up the gift of God. He came to learn about that deposit. He came to see that it overrides the spirits that were previously ruling in his life. And there are many here that are not living and performing in their spiritual gifting and in their endowment because of an emotion that's keeping you from, from faith and got you living in fear. Yet you have potential way beyond your imagination. What God has deposited in you, you couldn't use it up in an entire lifetime. But there's a spirit that doesn't want you to do that. There's a spirit that wants to suppress and arrest the gift of God inside of you. And it uses fear and emotion to keep you from being able to do that. You need to do what Paul uh, 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 said to Timothy. You need to stir it up. Turn to your neighbor. Come on. One more time. Say, stir it up. Come on. Stir it up. Now, how do you know, Pastor D, if that spirit of fear is in operation in your life? How do you know if you're living in that, under the rule of that spirit? Uh, a simple answer is you're living on defense. You are living on defense. You know, in sports, we would have a language like you need to have, you need to have the ball. You need to have possession of the ball. Uh, in order to move forward, you can't move forward unless you've got the ball in your hand. And so if, you, if you're on defense, you're living reactively. You're not, you're not calling the plays. You're not setting the agenda. God has called you, to, with, and he's put a ball in your hand, and he wants you to lead. He wants you to be on the offense. He wants you to set the agenda. In Christ, you have been given the ball. You have possession of something to overcome all the things that are happening in this life. So, but when God did that, this is a unique aspect of this, of this message. When God gave you that deposit, that divine enablement, endowment, you know, gifting, he gave it to you in seed form. In seed form. You might want to write that in your notes, but he, he gave it to you in seed form. Uh, you didn't get the whole watermelon. You got the seed that creates the watermelon. In fact, inside the seed is more than just a watermelon. It's unbelievable the potential that's inside that seed. You got a seed. That's the deposit that God give you. But God has called you to grow. God has called you to plant, water, and cultivate that seed. God rarely gives you a deposit that is a finished product. He sees it through his eternal lens. We see things through more of a linear lens. He sees it as finished, but we have to walk some things out in this life. We need to grow into this product that he has created. And the enemy and his job is to try to keep that seed from growing. And so it tries to take over that space where that can grow with fear, with fear. So a lot of people are trying to get rid of their fear by getting rid of fear. What? It doesn't work like that. You don't get rid of fear by just trying to get rid of fear. You get rid of fear by crowding it out, as it were, by stirring up the gift of God, using the gift of God, and it begins to eliminate and crowd out. The, the, you expand the deposit, so you crowd out the intimidation of fear. hope that makes sense to everybody. Here's the third point. You got to stir it up. Number three, the best weapon against the spirit of fear is another spirit. <laughs> Look at verse seven again with me. He says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but instead he's given you a spirit, a spirit, singular, with three characteristics to it, of power, love, and a sound mind. So to overcome the spirit, singular fear, you overcome it with another spirit, but it has three characteristics or attributes to it. One of power, 
This, this power is referring to uh, divine resources in the original languages. It's every believer has been given the necessary equipment to overcome all adversaries and enemies in your life when you use the equipment as previously mentioned. Uh, another characteristic of this spirit that overcomes the spirit of fear, this is a big one I want to camp on, is, is, a, as, is a one of love. One of love. This is referring to uh, a mature love. And a mature love, in other words, you see life through a different lens. 1 John 4, 17 says it like this and following. It says, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness. So when perfect love is in operation, the fruit of it that's affected by the root of love is boldness. Now, boldness isn't foolishness. It's divine confidence. It doesn't mean we're just going to be stupid. We still have wisdom in the world in which we live, but we have confidence. We have divine confidence. So we may have boldness in the day of judgment because he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. They can't be in the same room. But perfect love casts out fear. We're going to come back to that because fear involves torment. So when you're living in fear, you're tormented. In fact, many of you are so tired right now. You're emotionally tired. You know what that is? That's not the virus. That's fear. Fear has torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, if you're a parent and you have children that could be with you in the room right now, you know what it's like, and you were a child, so you do know what this is like, to be emotional at times. Kids can get uncontrolled emotions. They go from happy to crying in a heartbeat. Sometimes kids get fearful about things. Uh, I, I remember what it was like to go in to, to, to console my children. They'd be, they'd be fearful. Maybe it was the dark. Maybe it was lightning. Maybe it was thunder. My, one of my children, Mallory, was really afraid of the thunder. And so like a good daddy or, or a good mother, what would we do? We'd go in the room. At, depending on their age, we'd slip under the covers. We'd hold them. We'd kiss them. We'd hug them. We'd reassure them. Daddy's here. Mommy's here. It's going to be okay. You're all right. And the screams and the volume would stop. And they would begin to calm. And their heart would begin to stop racing. And they begin to breathe slowly. And before you know it, they're asleep. They're sound asleep. What's interesting in this situation is nothing has changed circumstantially. The thunder continued to roar. The lightning continued to blast. The rains continued to come. But love perfect love had cast out all fear. Love had removed insecurity. Love had removed the intimidation of the elements. Love had removed all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. It gave my child confidence, and perfect love will give you confidence. But many of you have not experienced perfect love that comes from man, which is rarely perfect, but you have not experienced the perfect love of God the Father. You know what I want to say? God wants, you need a daddy right now. Some of you are, look at God as God, but sometimes you don't see him as your father or your, or your daddy. Many of you are afraid because you haven't experienced the love of a father through crisis sometimes. Like even in the beginning of the service, Stacey and I kind of came up, you know, as kind of spiritual parents because sometimes a, a community, a spiritual family needs to hear something from their, their parents, not as an authority, but as an affectionate, comforting, caring parent. He's not just God. He's your daddy. Romans 8.15 says it like this. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption 
God has adopted. You see, if you know him, you're in Christ, whereby you can cry out, Abba, Father. Or it could, you could say it, Daddy, 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 I'm scared. He's there for you. See, if you were loved the right way, fear has to go. Fear and perfect love cannot be in the same room. Here's the third characteristic as I move on. It's one of discipline or a sound mind. This is one of the characteristics of the right spirit. This has to do with the way of thinking. You're accepting God's way of thinking as correct, not as your way of thinking. It's a spiritual point of view. It's a, it's a God-ordained thinking. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5, is really instructing us how to overcome uh, the, 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 the circumstances on the outside is by a war that takes place spiritually. It basically says the weapons, this is I think verse 4, or, or, or second half of verse 3, the weapons of our warfare are not physical. They're not flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, spiritual fortresses. We are destroying God's divine power, destroys sophisticated arguments. The world is saying this, and science is saying that, and healthcare you know, officials are saying this. And every exalted and proud, one translation says lofty thing, that sets itself up higher against the knowledge of God, God's thoughts. We, no, we don't, we don't behave like that as Christ followers. We take every thought captive and we bring it into submission or into obedience to Christ. See, in order to overcome the spirit of fear, you can learn some things from other people, but they never trump or never exalted or held lofty or above the knowledge of God. Can I have an amen? We, faith is, in God is above the facts of man in Jesus' name. So your victory or your defeat is not situated in your circumstances circumstances, it's situated in your thinking. And we have to be careful that we don't let legitimate concern become illegitimate fear or worry. So how do we overcome it? We overcome it with um, uh, sound thinking. We overcome it with mature, perfect love. And we overcome it with divine resources. And when we do those through three things, we have what we mentioned earlier. We have boldness. We have boldness. So you got to stir up the gift of God. You got to use the gift that he's given you. You know how to see that we fight the spirit of fear with another spirit and apply those characteristics. But the devil, as I transition, the devil tries to convince us that if we touch anything, we're going to be in trouble. The devil, I think, tries to convince us of something even more insidious. If we don't see, listen, if we don't see and touch God, then we can't feel and know God. Whoa. If we don't see him and touch him, which is maybe his plan is to try to divide us and keep us separated from him, then I can't feel and know God. That's a lie that the enemy has put there. In fact, I wrote this in my notes. You don't have to touch God physically to feel God spiritually. Because God's presence is available, and he wants to come right into your situation, right into your circumstances, right into the room that you're in right now. I was reading in my devotions this last week and from John chapter 20, verse 19, how Jesus came into his followers' fears. He presented himself right in the middle. And I'm thinking about all of you right now that are sitting out there in your rooms right now. When I read this story, I want you to apply it to your situation, your circumstances, your feelings and emotions. It says this in John 20, 19. On the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear. It was a lockdown. They were behind closed doors. Everybody was home. 
Jesus came and stood among them, and then he said what he always says, peace be with you. I understand you're all afraid. Peace. After he said this, he showed them his hands, and he showed him his side. And then because of being there and being there, his presence was right there. It says they were overjoyed. Their emotions and their, their spirits changed. And Jesus once again said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. I'll come back to that. And then he said, and he breathed on them. Don't breathe on anybody right now in the room. But the Holy Spirit breathed. And he said, receive. Receive the Holy Spirit. So they're in this room, they're locked down in fear, and behind closed doors, and Jesus steps into the room. Jesus comes into the room, and he doesn't bring them a meal. He doesn't bring them something circumstantial. He brings them what they really needed, peace. Twice he said, I bring you peace. Then he says, he breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. See, some of you need to receive the Holy Spirit so you can be an overcomer in this life. And then he says something else. He said, you can't stay here, everybody. You're going to have to go back out. You're going to go out into the world, and you're going to bring what I gave you. You're going to bring them. See, you need to make sure that you don't get too comfortable as a church of Jesus Christ. When fear is running rampant around the world, the church of Jesus Christ, Jesus is telling us in this text, has a job to do when there's fear. We must bring peace. The most important thing that you can bring to other people, the most important thing that I could give you today is the peace of God. The best thing you can do, and you remove all fear with, with love, with power, and with a sound mind. So with, every, with everybody that's listening right now, I'd like you to do me a favor. I'd like you to close your eyes right where you are. I'd like you to be very still. This is a holy moment. You're sitting there in your, your, your couch. You're sitting there in your bedroom. You're watching on your computer, wherever you are. I want to pray for those of you who are afraid. You're fearful. You, you, you're, you're anxious. You're apprehensive. With every head bowed, every eye closed, receive this. Just like Jesus came into the room with his followers, I pray right now that the very presence of Jesus would come into the room, that you would step into their room, behind those closed doors right now, wherever you are, wherever, sir, man, boy, or girl, you are, I pray right now that you would come into their room and that you would bring peace to them emotionally that you would bring peace to them relationally, that, God, you would bring peace to them financially, that you would bring peace to them physically in Jesus' name. You, Jesus said, my peace I give you, not as the world brings. Lord, I pray you bring supernatural peace to every person. And maybe you're there right now, and you have never received the peace of God ever. You don't know about the peace, the blessed assurance peace. You don't know that if you drew your last breath, you'd be okay with God. The reason you're really, really afraid is because you're not certain about eternity. And so if that's you, when you know that something's just knocking on your heart right now, that's not fear. That's the Holy Spirit. He's saying, I want to come in. Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to know you personally. And the Holy Spirit is the agent of change that gives you a new heart, that gives you a new identity in Christ. What Jesus did for you can be made available to you right now by the Holy Spirit, but you have to say yes to God. And so you can say yes right there on the computer by just raising your hand saying, I want to have peace with God. I want to be in relationship with God. I don't know him personally, but I want to today. Today is the day of salvation for me. If that's you, raise your hand right now. 
all over the place. Come on, I encourage you. I know you're doing it. God bless you. God bless you, everyone. Don't miss it. There's somebody that's there to talk to you and pray with you. But I want to pray with you right now. And I want you to, I want you to just kind of lean in. I want you to say this prayer. Say, Jesus, today is the day of salvation for me. Today I receive peace that doesn't come from the world, but it only comes from God. Lord, I thank you that you tore the wall, the barrier between God and man. This wall of hostility has been removed because of what Jesus did on the cross for me. I receive salvation. I receive by grace through faith what Jesus did for me. Today, I am a believer. Now, I just want to celebrate with you for what God just did in your life. Come on, everybody in your homes, everybody, you know, wherever you are in your bedrooms, in your car, can we just give a celebration for all those people? Because the Bible says that the angels rejoice in heaven because another one came home. God bless you. I can't wait to see you at an online group real soon. I can't wait to see you next week in our online campus. We want to we wanna just rejoice with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. God bless you.